Hey, Pastor Bobby here. I'm so glad you're joining us to hear what God is sharing with our community here at Chapel. And I pray, I am praying right now for you, that this message will bless you. It'll be an inspiration to you. It will challenge you to be who God has called you to be and to do what God has called you to do. And so as we jump into the message, I pray that you open up your mind to God's word, open up your heart to God's spirit, and watch the two come together to bring a supernatural miracle in your life. So let's jump into what God is speaking to us right now. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalms 46. I'm going to be in verse 10 as you're turning there. Uh, I don't know about you, but you know, before this season, this pandemic season hit, it was chaotic for us. Like life started getting busy and busy and busy, and life seems to keep going faster and faster and faster. Culture keeps going faster and faster and faster. Even our family, I was talking to a guy a couple weeks ago at church. He said, man, you've been busy. I said, yeah, we've been busy, but it's not like me being busy. It's our kids being busy with volleyball and basketball and track and school and AP classes. Like for the first time in, in toy in my life, like it's not our schedules that, that are dominating, it's our kids' schedules. And it just gets busier and faster and faster and faster. And it almost seems to get out of control. And sometimes the default is busyness. Sometimes the default is just fast-paced life. And sometimes you'll be so focused on building a life that you actually do not experience living life. And there's a rabbi, one day he was talking about in the synagogue, he found a man who's just always running and always busy. He asked him, he said, what are you running after? He said, I'm running after success. I'm running after uh, the blessings. I'm running after the rewards of my hard work. And he's just running and running. And the rabbi finally just said, what if the blessings you're chasing aren't in front of you? What if they're right there where you're at? What if, what if they're behind you? And I think sometimes we get so caught up in chasing something ahead of us we lose sight of the blessings that are already in our lives right now. And busyness steals that from us. And Mark Buchanan said this, one of my favorite authors, he said, most of the things we need to be most fully alive never come in busyness, but they grow in rest. And what if maybe we're so busy that things that are important aren't actually growing, we're choking them out with busyness. And what if rest is the solution? And, and, and Psalms 46.10 David said this scripture, and I think most of us have heard it, but I don't think we've ever really broke it down. And it says this, Be still and know that I am God, and I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. He says, be still. Like, be still. Other translations says, our God says, calm down and learn that I am God. Uh, Dallas Willard, a great, great theologian, said, cease striving and know that I am God. Meaning, be still, calm down, push the pause button, and learn that God is still there when you slow down. That just because you're not busy doesn't mean God is not working. Just because you're not working doesn't mean God is not working. And we have to really learn during this season to be present in God's presence. Like so many times we're so busy, we, we're not present when He is present. And I think He's given us this opportunity to really slow down and be present in His presence. And I think that's what Sabbath is. I think the scripture is actually referring to Sabbath. Be still. Calm down for a minute, rest in me, and, and slow down enough to, to see what I'm doing all around you, and be calm. And Mark Buchanan also said in a book called The Rest of God, he said, he said, Sabbath is ceasing from what is necessary to embrace that which gives life. Meaning ceasing from all the things you have to do in order to really hold on to the things that produce life in you. Ceasing from work so you can rest in the worship of God. Ceasing from being busy with toil so you can rest in God's favor and in His blessings. And Sabbath is something we've lost as a culture and as a people. I, even for myself, I was really good at, at practicing a Sabbath, 
We moved to Florence, got really busy, and Sabbath started getting pushed down lower, lower, lower on the list. Even for our family, it kept getting pushed down farther and farther. And you realize once you get so busy that when you slow down, how important slowing down is. That as people, we're not built to go 100 miles an hour. God has built this principle in us or this rhythm that we, we work hard and we rest hard. We work hard and we rest hard. We toil and then we calm down and be still. And I think David found this principle in the scripture, just learning Sabbath to really rest in who God is. And, and, and I think many times we think of Sabbath, we think of the law or legalism. And even Jesus said, he said, man wasn't made for Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. Meaning we weren't made just to, just to experience life and run through it, to rest in it and to embrace it. And, and Eugene Peterson said this, I translated the Message Bible, which is a great definition. He says, Sabbath is uncluttered time and space in which we can distance ourselves from our own activities enough to see what God is actually doing. And we get away from our, our clutter, our activities, our noise, our, all the stuff we have to do, and all this space and time gets cleared out from what we're doing to, so we can slow down and actually see what God is doing. And I think in this season, like getting rid of all of our activities, all of our sports, all of our entertainment, all of our stuff, like we can finally unclutter the table enough to see what God is setting the table with. We can see what God is doing. I believe God is speaking now to families, to husbands, to pastors, to churches, and we can see what he's actually starting to do. And I believe it's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity to recalibrate our lives a great opportunity to recalibrate our, our families, a, a great opportunity to recalibrate our spirits and our souls to really how to learn how to rest in who God is. That we're great at the work side. As churches, we're great at, at, at serving, but we're not great at resting. And, and maybe this is a time God has given us to really recalibrate and rest in Him, to let the ground of our souls settle so fresh fruit can rise up out of this season. And, and maybe... Uh, maybe just maybe this is a forced Sabbath by God. That maybe he just said, you're moving so fast, maybe I'm going to allow this pandemic to really bring rest to my church. Actually, maybe it's a blessing for us to really learn how to rest in who God is. Dr. Russ Fraze, uh, one of the overseers of our church, actually said, he said, I believe this is a forced sabbatical for God's people, that he wants them to rest in him during this season and trust in him and grow in him in this season. So what if maybe... Maybe, just maybe, God said, you're moving way too fast. You're moving so fast. You're so preoccupied with your activities and what you're doing that you can't see what I'm doing. And so I'm going to put pause on what you're doing so you can finally see what I'm doing. What if, what if God is saying, maybe, just maybe, I'm going to slow you down enough to finally get restored in your soul? What if this is a fourth Sabbath? What if it's just a forced Sabbath that God wants to put on his people to make us rest in that? Maybe you say, well, I don't think God would make us do that. Well, in Psalms 23, David again is speaking, and it's a psalm we all know. That he said, and I'm going to quote it for you because I want you to listen to it slowly. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He restores our soul, but how does he restore our soul? By making us lie down. Like I think many times we think, well, he'll just lead us and, and maybe we'll lay. No, no, sometimes God has to make us do stuff. Sometimes he has to make us lie down. We're so busy working for God that we're not worshiping God. 
We're so busy striving to build things for God that we're not actually resting in God. And we have a, a default in which if we hit this default, sometimes we lose kind of our calibration of who God is and we start thinking we're God and he's not. We start thinking he's serving our purposes instead of us serving his purposes. And maybe what David is saying here is maybe it's a force, maybe God is saying, I'm gonna make you be still and know who I am. Maybe I'm gonna just make you. And so as parents, I understand this because if you ever had kids, you have to make them take a nap. Like they don't wanna take a nap. They don't wanna miss out on what's going on. They got FOMO, fear of missing out. So they don't wanna to go to sleep. They don't wanna take a nap. And so with our kids, we would force them to take naps, all of them but RJ. RJ would never, ever take a nap. And so we have pictures after pictures of him just refusing to take naps so he'd fall asleep at just random locations. We got pictures of him falling asleep in a salsa bowl at a Mexican restaurant with his face in the salsa bowl. Picture him falling asleep in the shower. He'd get in the shower. Hey, why's the shower so We'll go upstairs. He's laid down, passed out, snoring in the shower, about to drown to death in the shower. When he was potty training, Toy has pictures of him sit him on the potty, she'd force him to sit there to use the restroom. Instead, he would pass out butt naked on the potty training toilet. Like, and as parents, we understand that if you don't take that nap, you will fall asleep in the middle of what you're supposed to be doing. If you don't take that nap, you'll fall asleep in the middle of your calling and you won't fulfill your purpose or your calling. And so I think God says, if you're gonna fulfill your purpose as the church, if you're gonna fulfill your calling as a, as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, as a mother, as a child of God, if you're gonna fulfill that, he's gonna have to make us take a few naps along the way so that way we're rested so we can run our race really, really well. And you see this in, in Noah's Ark. I know it's a story most of us don't hit unless we're in kindergarten or chapel kids or kids church. It's just an amazing story of God looking upon the earth and he's looking at the earth. He said, listen, they're multiplying. Like they're, they're multiplying all over the place, but they're multiplying evil and wickedness. And what he's saying is the world was going way too fast in the wrong direction. Like they're running and running and running, but they're running after the wrong things. They're, they're working themselves to death. They're producing the wrong results. And God's, God's solution to that was to bring spiritual reset. He said, I'm gonna put a spiritual reset upon my people. I'm gonna put a spiritual reset upon my earth. And what he does, he allows this, this flood to come. Before he does, he prepares somebody, and I believe God is preparing us to be people that can be sustained and, and function through the storms that may be coming to our world and to our church. And he tells no, he says, I want you to build this ark. And here's how I want you to build it. And I want you to build it with certain uh, measurements and specifics. And, and then I want you to get animals of every kind. I want you to get actually every animal of every kind. And I want you to get two of them. And so some people, I know a bunch of atheists, they'll talk trash. There's no way this is possible. There's actually studies. There's probably 21,000 different species of animal at that point in time. So you'd have 42,000, maybe 50,000 species on this boat, this ark. And with 50,000 species, people actually took the dimensions and the measurements of the the cages or, or aquariums, whatever it may be, and testing centers for science. Took those measurements and they applied that to the ark and there's actually more than enough room to have 50,000 animals on the ark. Then people say, well, well, I don't know if it's just a fable. Well, there's actually many others, the Epic of Gilgamesh, which talks about another worldwide flood at the same time with the same things. There's things all over the earth where you see evidence of a major flood that makes the earth look really old that happened immediately. Things shifted, Pangea, you see the Grand Canyon 
fast moving waters come through. And so this is a whole part of this story of Noah's Ark, which is a historical story of Noah having the favor of God and preparing himself for spiritual reset upon the earth. And I think one of the great things that happens is when he was on that ark for almost a whole entire year, he had to learn. Noah had to learn this lesson. He had to learn to be still and know who God was in the middle of this storm and on the ways of life. Like he's literally floating on the waves of this brand new flood and, and the storms are crashing in, waves are crashing in, and he's locked in this ark where they think there's only one window, one, one place for sun to come through. And he has to completely trust God and focus on who God is and trust him in this season. And I believe we're in a season just like that. That we're in the middle of this storm or middle of these waves crashing in upon our lives, economic waves and, and physical waves and, and church waves and, and school waves or seniors don't get to graduate, their school year's over and these waves are crashing in. And maybe like Noah, there's lessons we can learn about Sabbath and being still in God looking at the ark. And I think one of the first things that we can learn is that Sabbath reminds us that we are not in control, God is. Like when Noah's on the ark, he was in control complete uncontrol of his situation. He didn't know the destination. He didn't know how long he'd be on the boat. I think we're kind of in the, in the same thing. We're in this ark. We don't know where we're going to land. We don't know what the economy is going to be like. We don't know when we're going to land. We don't know if it's two weeks, three weeks, a month. We don't know how long it's going to be. And Noah's in this ark completely trusting God. And I think for many of us, our anxiety comes from this need of control. Like we, we need to control the outcome, we need to control what happens, which then builds busyness and builds frustration. In reality, peace is the opposite of control. That if you want peace, you get peace by, by transferring your control to surrender to God. Like I'm gonna take my need for control, I'm gonna make that surrender to God because he's in control. And that's what Sabbath reminds us. Sabbath reminds me that, that I'm gonna rest in today because God's got tomorrow taken care of. But if you start thinking that you have to take care of everything, you can't rest because tomorrow comes very quickly. But if I trust that God is in control and he's already in tomorrow, see, Sabbath reminds us that God's already there. Like he's already in tomorrow. He's working out the details for tomorrow. He's working out everything we need for tomorrow. And it's our job to take our need for control and hand that off on the altar of surrender to God. And Sabbath really nails that down for us. Can you imagine being Noah in this dark boat, not knowing when they would land? Not knowing if it's gonna be a 10-day journey, 30-day journey, or a one-year journey. Not knowing where they're gonna land or what's gonna happen when they land. He was in complete surrender and complete trust in who God was and learning to depend on God. What if this season for us is a season to learn to depend on God more than us? Depending on God, trusting in God more than our strategies, our hard work, our efforts, our abilities to control situations, or our ability in the stock market. What if this is a season where God says, I'm gonna push pause and I'm gonna let you learn how to trust me without knowing the outcome. And the good news is God is the God of tomorrow. He's already there. He's already working out. the. He's not surprised by the storm. He's not surprised by the plague. He's not surprised by the pandemic. He's already there. He knows the solution. He knows when it will be done. And he's asking us to trust him through it. So I'd encourage you to be still and know that he is God. In the middle of the unknown, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the waves, just to be still and know that he's God.
Know that he's the God of tomorrow. Know that he's the God of the future. Know that he's the God that's working on your behalf. Know that he's the God that's already there working for you. And the other thing I think Noah learned was that Sabbath really helps us to rediscover the value of family. So we rediscover kind of our, our need to trust God, our dependence on God, but also the value of family. Because you think about it, Noah's here on the ark with nobody but family. He has his sons and their wives and their, maybe their kids. He's on there literally with his family and a zoo. 50,000 animals. And right now, all you moms that are now homeschool moms, stay-at-home moms, it may be the same thing. It's, it's your kids and a zoo. Like our house is just running wild right now with schedules. No one's, everybody's running around the house and working and doing this and playing and et cetera. And so I think in this time with Noah, like all the other distractions were taken away. There was nothing to do but spend time with family. And maybe Sabbath historically has been a chance to really slow down life to rediscover the value that those that God puts, puts in our way are places in our lives. And many times we lose sight of how much we need family until family's the only thing we have left. And maybe when this quarantine, maybe we're, God's really using that to help you know and rediscover how much your family means to you, how much you need to value them. Because in the long run, family's everything. Family's everything. And so what can you do to take advantage of your time on the ark? Like, what can you do to take advantage of the Sabbath season? Like, we've been playing board games almost nightly. We've been having fun conversations with the kids, making fun of each other, all that good stuff, playing sorry. No one, one of the kids loses, they flip the board and they get all mad. Like, that's family. Like, that's the zoo of family. But for Toy and I, like, when you think about it, we may never have this opportunity again with our family. Like, Alicia's about to be 17 years old. She'll graduate next year. The twins just turned 15. They had their birthday this week. Like, what if this is a, a gift from God that we can never reproduce again? Almost like youth camp for a teenager where you have this one week where you get to spend with all your, your friends and you're chasing God and pursuing God together. What if God is giving us a season as almost like family camp that you can look back in 30, 40 years and your kids are going to think, remember that time we were in quarantine for like a month or two months? That was the greatest time of my life. That's when we really rediscovered how much our family means to us. Oh, what, if, what are you doing with this time to really value each other? Like, are you just spending it all on social media the whole time? Or are you really rediscovering how important family is? Because I know for us as a church, it's really helping us rediscover how important relationships are. Like, you don't realize that until you can't meet how important it is and how much you want to see so-and-so sits next to you or so-and-so in the lobby or so-and-so when you're getting a cup of coffee or meeting as a small group or meeting in youth ministry or meeting in chapel kids. Like, you don't realize how important those things are until you don't have it anymore. And so I would encourage you, like, just because the church isn't gathered doesn't mean we're not meeting. Like, you are the church. Maybe you could send a text or a call two or three people from church this week and say, man, I miss you so much. I love you. I cannot wait till we get together again. I cannot wait to give you a hug. I'm tired of this old elbow bumping thing. I just want to give, dap you up and give you a hug. What if, like God is using this to really show us as a church that is more than just the, the service, it's actually the people that are important. What if Sabbath helps us rediscover the value of family? And I, I'll tell you, when you be still, you'll realize how important family is. You'll, re, you'll really realize how important it is for the people in your house that you serve God together. And I think the third thing that, that kind of Noah learned on the ark is he really rediscovered that there's a blessing on the other side of the season. That Sabbath prepares you for the blessings of God. And if you look at it, I'm, I'm going to share with you. 
says this in Genesis chapter 8, verse 1 and 3. It says, but God remembered Noah. And I want to say, God remembers you. Like, you don't have to, just because you're isolated doesn't mean God's not with you. Just because you're alone from other people doesn't mean God's not present. He remembers you. He knows you by name. He loves you. He wants you. He wants to be with you. And at any moment, as soon as you speak, he's there. He remembered Noah and he remembers you and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the water subsided and the fountains of the deep and the windows of the heaven were closed and the rain from the heavens were restrained and the waters receded from the earth continually. Meaning it was a season. That season passed and a new season was coming. This too shall pass. This is a season. God is a seasonal God. Nothing lasts forever. Everything changes and everything happens to become new. God is a God of bringing new things and new seasons. And God remembers you. God remembers his church. God remembers his people. And God is a seasonal God and everything you're going through right now will pass. The economy will pass. The health scare will pass. The isolation will pass. And on the other side is always a blessing from God. Every new season has its own blessings. And one of the problems with blessings is that when you're in the middle of a season, it seems like it lasts forever. Like when you're in wintertime, it seems like it's never going to end. When you're in summer, it seems like it lasts forever. It gets hot and hotter and hotter. In fall, it seems like it's going to last. Every season of life I've been in, it seems like it lasts forever. But then it changes just like that. Even if you look out, the, the trees are starting to turn green all of a sudden. It's just quickly, they start turning green. And I can tell because all of a sudden I'm not worried about COVID. I can't see through my pollen infested eyes and my nose. Like I think I sneezed a Bradford pear tree out of my nose today. Like, like pollen, you know what pollen tells me? That the season is changing. The pollen tells me I'm coming out of a dry season into a fruitful season. And I, I think you need to realize that just like, just like Noah here, he didn't know how long the season would last. But all of a sudden they hit dry ground and God says, the waters are passing away. My wind is going to blow. The wind of my spirit is going to blow and a new season is going to come. And there's a new season that's coming. God has not forgotten about us. He remembers us and he's bringing us into a new season. And he takes, takes Noah out of the boat in, no, in chapter 9, verse 1. He says, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Meaning this next season is going to be a fruitful season. But in order for it to be a fruitful season, Noah had to manage and steward the season he was in well. Like he had to manage it and steward it well because God wanted fruit to come out. It was a spiritual reset. And what God did is there was things in the past season that God brought the flood to kind of wash away that he didn't want to bring into the new season because God will not multiply bad fruit. God will not multiply corrupt fruit. God will not multiply diseased fruit. God will not multiply sinful fruit. So he allows it to be washed away with the floods so that when you steward, you realize who he is and who you are, that in the next season, he can be fruitful in your life and multiply your life in the future. But it depends on how you steward this season. Like if this season is a blessing, what are you doing to steward this season well? What are you doing in preparation for the next season? See, so many times we get caught up, when, when you don't take Sabbath, you get so caught up in focusing on surviving that you can't thrive. And Sabbath was created so that we could thrive in the next season. And so maybe if you just sat back and rested just a minute and really realized who you were in Christ and who God is, it would slow you down enough to realize that God has something for you in the future. But there's some things you can't take with you. What, what if this season of preparation is really identifying you as the priest of your home, as the husband? 
What if this is identifying really that family is valuable, more valuable than sports, more valuable than entertainment, more valuable than careers, more valuable than money. And maybe what happens in this season, God doesn't want to go away. He wants to multiply these things in the next season. Even as a, as a church staff, we're talking like this is really exposing some things in, in our church that are healthy and some things that don't need to be multiplied. And so really evaluating who we are as a people because the next season God wants us to be fruitful and multiply. But he can't multiply things that aren't fruitful. And so really using the season to identify what is God wanting to prepare in me for the next season? Be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that it's just a season. Be still and know that there's a new season coming. Be still and know that He is working something out on your behalf. Be still and know as you're on the darkness of the ark, there's still light on the other end of the tunnel. Be still and know that just because it looks like it's barren, there's gonna be fruitfulness in the next season. You have to trust God and David said it, just be still. Be present in His presence. And in His presence is the fullness of joy. In His presence is freedom. In His presence is hope. Everything you need is not in the church sanctuary. It's in you. And when you slow down and you be still, you'll learn that He's God. And when you learn that He's God, trust, faith, strength, endurance, all those things increase into the next season. And I want, I want, to, I want to share this prayer with you in this kind of a practice I've done before and a church in, in LA, Vintage Church, LA, great church, Word and Spirit Church. Uh, I think Ash Mahini was doing it as well. Be still and know that He is God. Like a lot of monks have practiced this for years. And I think when you realize you just slow down, push the pause button, be still and start thinking about who God is, you'll grow in your confidence in Him, but also confidence in His presence. So I just want you to just close your eyes wherever you're at. And, and I'm going to walk you through this. And we're just going to walk through this scripture and we're just going to pray this scripture and I'm going to walk with you through it. That's when you take a couple deep breaths just to really center and recalibrate kind of your spirit and your soul and your body. Just a couple deep breaths and I want you to say with me, if you're with your family in the living room, I just want you to do this as a family. Just, just say these words, just be still and know that He is God. Just take a couple breaths. Be still and know that He is God. He hasn't changed. He hasn't quit. He hasn't given up. He hasn't stopped. He's still on the throne. He hasn't stepped off the throne. Be still and know that He is God. He's the King. He's the Redeemer. He's the Deliverer. He's the Healer. He's the Sovereign King. He's everything you need. He's still God. Be still and know. Just take a couple breaths. Just be still and know that if He's God, he can work out every single detail. If he's God, you can know that this is just a season, it's not the end. If he's God, you can know that he's for you, he's not against you. If he's God, then you can know that he works all things together to the good for those who love him. If he's God, you can know that peace can set on your heart in every storm. Take a couple deep breaths, just be still and know. Then be still, take a couple breaths, just be still. Why? Because he's God. If he's working on your behalf, you don't have to work. If he's for you, you don't have to try to get him, to convince him, to persuade him, to, to be on your side. Just be still. Rest in the fact that God is working out the details for you. 
finally be. Be. Just take a deep breath. Just be. Be a child of God. Be a servant of the King by resting at His feet. Be in a, a Mary moment instead of a Martha moment. Be in a moment where you're just resting at His feet. Pouring your worship out upon His feet. Just be for a minute. Breathe in and just be. Again, let's do it again. Just say with me, be still and know that He is God. Take a couple breaths and say with me, and then be still and know. Just be still. And then finally take one more deep breath and then just be. Father, we thank you that we can learn to be still because we know you're moving. And Father, we trust you. And I pray for this season, this forced Sabbath season that we learn the lessons, we learn the principles behind it, that, Father, we, we are not in control. We don't have to strive for control. We don't have to try to work it out on our behalf. Father, we trust in you. We know you are a God who's in control. And since you're in control, we can rest in you. And, Father, help us through the Sabbath season to really rediscover the value of family and relationships. Father, help us rediscover that the time that we have with each other is short. Help us build relationships with our kids and with our spouses, with our family, that pass through the test of time and storms and struggles. Father, help us realize that the church is not a church service, it's a people, a connected people, a gathered people, a, a scattered people. And Father, help us really rediscover the value of those relationships. Father, help us stay more connected now than we've ever been. And Father, help us in the Sabbath season really learn how to prepare on Sabbath for the blessings ahead. Now, Father, we know this Sabbath is a season, a season of spiritual preparation, a season of spiritual rest. So, Father, we can reap in and take in this harvest of fruitfulness and multiplication. So we just pray for our church. We pray for the churches as a whole. That, Father, on the other side of this thing, it's going to be a great revival of souls, a revival of unity, a revival of power, a revival of peace, a revival of hope, a revival of strength, and a revival of love. And, Father, we'll be able to trace it back to the season of rest. And so, Father, we pray for this Sabbath season that you let us learn to be still and to know that you're God and discover that we are not God. And, that, Father, even though we get our default of busyness trying to be God, that, Father, we can never be like you. We can only love you and serve you and hope to imitate you here on earth. And so, Father, we just pray for peace to settle on your people, settle in our minds, that, Father, anxiety flees. Pray that peace settles in our bodies, that, Father, our souls and our bodies are at one together, are aligned in perfect health along with your kingdom. And that, Father, peace settles into our homes during this season. Father, those seniors who their senior year has been cut short. I just pray peace, Father, right now over their lives. Father, I pray that you help them realize that high school is not the greatest of years. It's just a season. Now, the greatest years are ahead of them when they have kids 
as they get married and they build a family, as they chase after their dreams, as they start pouring into their communities, they start building spiritual relationships, Father, and a foundation for generations to come. Let them see that it's just a season. That season has passed. There's a new season that's even better that will come. Father, for families, moms who have given up their jobs to be at home with their kids, I pray for peace in their life. And Father, I just pray this ark-type season, as we're on the waves of life and the rains are pouring down, that, Father, we can sit in this sheltered protection, this place of peace inside the ark, knowing that it's not going to come against us. And that, Father, we can rest in you and trust in you for the final destination. And so, Father, we bless you. We thank you, Father, for this great anticipation that we know when this season's over, that, Father, your church is going to be on fire and passionate for you and for your kingdom. And so, Father, until we meet again, I pray for strength and encouragement to rise up. In Jesus' name, amen.